Well, this afternoon we are uh, continuing uh, the series competing at the games, um, uh, facing fears, winning battles, becoming a champion. And uh, it's the second part of the series that we are in now and we're looking at games participation. Uh, we've looked at inspired to com compete, receiving a prophetic word for your life, motivated to succeed, listening to the voice of your coach. And last week, Gabriel was speaking on supporter dynamics, facing your fear of the crowd. Now today, we will be looking at the topic, uh, conquering your fear of failure. If at first you don't succeed, as the saying goes, try, try, try again. We want to look at how we can conquer our fear of failure and how we can move on and press on in our lives in the call, uh, the commission that God has for us, uh, even when sometimes we come against obstacles, challenges, and situations and circumstances because we know that God has called us to win. Amen? Uh, a quote I came across uh, actually quite tickled me. He said, if at first you don't succeed, uh, destroy all the evidence that you tried. <laughs> well, we're not going to do that today. We want to uh, deal with the issue of uh, how sometimes failure can, can, can cause a legitimate fear, a fear of you know, not getting there, a fear of not achieving, a fear of not attaining, a fear of not uh, really realizing one's dreams or one's goals. You know, when uh, ancient Greek armies traveled across the seas to do battle, legend has it that the first thing they would do when they land on the shore where they were going to fight and do battle, as soon as they landed and they got off the boats, uh, the, ca the captain, the commander of the, the army will command that all the boats are bound up. So basically, there is no way back. It's either you fight and win, or I guess the other option is that you die. And so uh, they did that because they wanted to instill in uh, uh, the army the sense of we are going to continue to press forward against all the odds. There is no option. You just have to follow through. And so we want to deal with the kind of fear, the challenges that sometimes can creep into our lives that can become obstacles, that can become stumbling blocks, that can limit us, that can curtail us. And sometimes because of some of the experiences that we might have had in our lives, we might uh, inadvertently fall in the, in the place of uh, maybe thinking that we are not going to get there, we're not going to achieve, we're not going to attain, or a worse still, we think that, well, you know, God's not with us, or, you know, um, this is not really worth pressing on for. And I want to really encourage you to realize that we have been called with a tremendous commission. The one who commissions us is the one who is the creator of the universe, the one who holds everything in his hands. The Bible says in him we live and move and have our very being. And so there is that sense that, uh, that the one who has called and commissioned us is bigger, is mightier, is greater. And so we can press forward in the knowledge of that. In uh, the book of Hebrews, and I want to open up with that passage, a passage which I'm sure you know, some of us know uh, pretty well. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to 3. It's a, it's a good passage to start off, I guess, is as we are in the middle of the Olympics. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, 
Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So that you will not grow weary and lose that. Such a tremendous passage of scripture, such an encouragement that we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. You know, um, um, one of the things that uh, has inspired me watching the Olympics as well is seeing some of, you know, the, the, the great athletes gone by, you know, standing there and encouraging those who are, you know, now competing in the games. And that same sense that, you know, in the stance, in our own stance, in the race that we are running, the, the, the Christian walk, the, the race of, 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 of discipleship that we have been called to run, in the stance, in the galleries, are all these heroes of the faith. If you go to Hebrews chapter 12, he lists all these heroes of the faith, your Moses, your Joshua's, your, 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 your Aaron's, your David's, and, and, and your Paul's, and your Peter's, and all these guys are like in the stance, and they're, they're cheering us on, and they're saying, come on. Come on, you can make it, you can win, you can, you can attain the crown, you can get there. And there's that sense that we are being cheered on as we run this, this race that we are called to run. And the, the writer says there, since we know this, let us run. Let us run. And let's look to Jesus, looking at his example of the way he ran and consider that as the one that we can follow through with. Last week, Gabriel spoke about uh, supported dynamics, facing your fear of the crowd. And sometimes the greatest weapon that the enemy can use is the weapon of fear. Because fear can paralyze, fear can stifle, fear can limit, and it can stop us from actually running the race, from actually pressing forward towards that mark of a high calling in Christ Jesus. And that's why this passage in, in Hebrews encourages us because it says, consider him, consider Jesus. In other words, do you know what the script says? Do you know how the story goes? Do you know what is in the final chapter? Because in case you did not know, let me assure you today that at the end of it all, we win. Oh, that was a good place for you to give a big cheer. Because at the end of it all, we win. Come on, come on, you can cheer. I'm sure you were cheering better than that last night when Great Britain was winning all those gold medals. At the end of it all, we win. That's much better. You know, Henry Ford, who, uh, that, that great um, industrialist, uh, entrepreneur, um, once said this, one who fears failure limits his activities. Failure is the only opportunity to more intelligently begin again. Failure is the only opportunity to more intelligently begin again. Anyone enjoying the Olympic Games? Or is it just me? You know, um, I've been so, so fascinated. Great Britain doing so well, aren't they? You know, 14 gold medals and counting, and it's fantastic. And uh, I do hope that they attain the targets of, you know, the gold medals and everything that they've set, you know, for themselves. But I've been inspired by some of the stories 
of these Olympians. I mean, I'm, I'm really, really, really uh, being open. I've been so inspired just, just watching and hearing some of their stories. I mean, it's, it's one thing to see them win. It's another thing to hear the stories of the journey, of the path, of the route that got them to that place. And some of them will say things like, you know, from the age of eight, from the age of nine, from the age of ten, you know, this is all I dreamed about. This is, this is where I saw myself. This is what I believed. And, and some of those dreams have been 20 years in the making, years of training and discipline and sacrifice and, and hard work and graft and pain and, 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 and denying oneself. Years and years and years of this. Uh, uh, I recall uh, uh, one of the clips that um, they had of uh, Sir Steve Redgrave, who uh, I personally believe is Britain, still Britain's greatest Olympians. You, you might argue with me about that because um, he might not have the, great num- the highest number of gold medals uh, anymore, the, uh, the greatest number of Olympic medals. But I believe that he's the greatest Olympian this country has ever produced. And the reason why this guy went to five Olympic Games and every time came back with a gold medal. Five Olympic Games that spanned a period of nearly 16 years. 16 years, five Olympic Games. Again and again he goes and he wins. Again and again he goes and he wins. And he speaks of, it's interesting because when you hear their stories, you kind of see how their journey has been. And he speaks of how, uh, about the age of 14, uh, he was in school one day, he loved playing cricket and football, and uh, um, I think his PE teacher said to him, you know, why don't you come down to you know, the rowing club and you know, we, we'll give you the opportunity to leave school early one day in the week and you can come down to the rowing club and row. And he thought to himself, well, if that's going to get me out of school one day of the week, you know, for an afternoon, I don't have to come to class and do any studying, then you know, that sounds like a better option than staying in class. And it's interesting to see that that's how his journey started. And he got into the boat, loved it, and, you know, continued. And as they say, the rest is history. That's how his journey started. And uh, uh, we see the story, and that, that kind of feels like, well, that's somebody who's just won and won and won and won and won and won and won. But, you know, over the years, thousands and thousands and thousands of athletes have competed in the Olympics. There's some names that you will never know. There are some struggles that you will never hear about. There are some achievements that uh, will never be put on the public arena because they never made the podium. They never had the opportunity to tell their story. They never had uh, the platform to share their journey. But even with some of the ones who've attained gold, I I think of uh, uh, Catherine Granger who won a gold medal on Friday in the rowing. She'd been to, this was her fourth Olympic Games. The last three Olympic Games, she'd had a silver medal. So she went to the first one in uh, the year 2000, won a silver medal. Went to the next one in 2004 in Athens, silver medal. Went to Beijing, 2008, silver medal. And, you know, she's saying that she, at that point, she almost felt like, you know what, I should just give up. You know, I'm never going to attain that success. I'm never going to win that goal. But something within her kept driving her, kept pressing her, kept spurring her on. And she kept going. um, And obviously, London 2012, uh, last Friday, she attained the gold medal. Another story that absolutely fascinated me was uh, the guy, Peter Wilson. Peter Wilson was the guy who won the, the trap shooting gold medal last Friday as well. 
Now, Peter Wilson's story fascinated me because this was someone who turned adversity to success. Peter Wilson loved cricket and football in school, he says, and you know, at the age of 18, as a young man, he loved snowboarding and was going to try to pursue that. He said, you know, one thing that I was sure, I was def- definitely never good in football or cricket. And he had a snowboarding accident, which meant that he could not snowboard any longer. And because he was at home and he was bored, he was encouraged to take up shooting. And all of a sudden, he discovered a passion for uh, this particular sport. But the amazing thing about Peter Wilson, he discovered the passion and they knew he had the talent and, you know, the ability. But somewhere along the lines, two years ago, or three years ago in 2009, uh, UK Athletics stopped funding him. And he could no longer fund his training, his traveling, etc., etc. And he uh, sought um, a benefactor who uh, decided that he was worth investing in. And over the last three years, this individual invested in him personally. And he, through that investment, was able to pursue his dream. You know, I don't know what circumstances and situations you might have had, what knocks you might have taken in your life. One thing is certain is that if you go through life, you will get knocked. If you go through life, you will meet huddles and humps. The road that we're called to walk is not a smooth road. The path we're called to tread is not a straight path. Sometimes it is winding and it's narrow and it gets bent and it gets crooked and there are humps on the journey. But one of the things we can be assured about is that because we know what the script says, we can put our confidence and keep pressing Forward. Theodore Roosevelt, uh, that great American president, uh, once said, It is hard to fail, but it is worse never to have tried to succeed. It is worse never to have tried. And so I want to encourage us to move beyond that place of thinking, you know, there might have been hurdles and situations and circumstances in our lives that have resulted in giving us the sense that, you know something, the line has been drawn in the sand and I can move no further. So what is fear? What is this fear that we are talking about? One person uh, uh, said, fear is false expectations appearing real. False expectations appearing real. In other words, it's not really what you think it is. It's just something else that is not really real. And you've taken something that is not real, real, and you've uh, some way uh, imposed that on reality, and therefore you're stifled, you're you're curtailed. Uh, I came across uh, an acronym that I like. Um, Fear, forget everything and relax. Or you could say, face everything and rejoice. Whichever one you choose, the idea is, I'm not going to allow this to stop me. I'm not going to allow this to curtail me. I'm not going to allow this to limit me. Uh, You know, if you aim for the stars, but only make it to the moon, remember that there are lots of people who have not yet made it to the moon. In other words, if you think that I wanted to achieve this, but I've only stopped this far, remember there are lots and lots of people who have not even come this far. 
and you can believe that God will enable and help you to actually press forward in your journey of faith. Philippians chapter 3 says this, verse 12, Not that I have already obtained, not that I have already obtained all this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Jesus Christ took hold of me. I press on to take hold of that for which Jesus Christ took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself to have yet taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind. Turn to your neighbor and say, forgetting what is behind. I press on to win the goal. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. I press on. I press on. I press on. I forget those things that are behind and I press on. You know, some of you guys need to have some memories erased today. Some experiences relegated to the back burner. Because those experiences, those memories, those things, those challenges, and it might be something that even happened as recently as yesterday or last week. And you're thinking, you know, well, that's it. Or that thing has just stopped me. Or that thing has just limited me. I want to challenge you and encourage you today. Keep pressing on. Keep pressing on. You know, the story of blind Bartimaeus really, for me, demonstrates how one man's desire can take him to his destiny in the midst of all forms of opposition. You know, Bartimaeus, we read his story in Mark chapter 10, uh, from verse 46 onwards, if you want to make a reference of that. Uh, Bartimaeus was a guy who just wouldn't keep quiet. Bartimaeus refused to keep quiet. He refused to accept what was being asked of him. He said, no, I'm not going to go along with the status quo. I'm not going to allow myself to be dictated to. I'm not going to give myself uh, anything other than an opportunity to win, an opportunity to succeed, an opportunity to get to the destiny that God desires for my life. Uh, Batimir's story is actually quite, quite fascinating. Because in verse 46 of Mark chapter 10, uh, we say, we read the story, now, now they came to Jericho and as he went out of Jericho, his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, sat by the uh, son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight. And followed Jesus on the road. This guy just would not keep quiet. 
And you know, sometimes to conquer our fear of failure, to, to keep pressing on, there has to be a sense in which we refuse to keep quiet. We refuse to be silent. We refuse to, to, to allow our voice to be stilled. We need to keep shouting, so to speak. Bartimaeus refused to keep quiet. Firstly, this guy had to overcome his rejection. He was a beggar. He was somebody everyone thought was an outcast. He was rejected by society. He was somebody who, who uh, 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 wasn't thought much of. And so uh, when he began to cry out, straight away people thought, what, what rights do you even have to cry out? What, what rights do you even have to, to, to make a request of the master, to make a request of Jesus Christ? Do, do you realize your status? Do you realize how lowly you are? Do you realize how worthless, how, how, how much of an outcast you are? How dare you even think about calling out for the master to help you? And so not only did he have to now overcome his, 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 his fear of, of rejection or, or, or the, the rejection that was coming from other people, he now had to deal with human opinion. Human opinion. Oh, you're troubling the master. Oh, you're making too much noise. Oh, you're being a nuisance. Oh, you're, you're doing exactly what you shouldn't be doing. And maybe in your life... Because of circumstances that you've been through, there might be uh, uh, the, the, the human opinion, the voices that are coming on course and saying, you see, you never should have pursued that career path. See, you never should have you know, gone into that job. You never should have allowed yourself to, to have been, been, been brought into that business deal. You never should have. You never should have. Why, why, why are you making such a noise? Just keep quiet because you never should have been there in the first place. This guy had to overcome human opinion you know the bible speaks about voices in this world and one of the things that i know in my spirit god spoke to me about as i was preparing this sermon is about the voices that we listen to the voices that we listen to because in this world there are many voices there are the voices that come from the world itself, from society that says, you know, how can you as a Christian, how arrogant to say that Jesus is the only way to God? How arrogant? How can you even think like that? You mean, you, you, you were saying that throughout the ages, the only way that people would have come to the saving knowledge of Jesus, of, 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 of Almighty God is through the person of Jesus Christ? How can you be so arrogant? How can you even think that way? Human opinion, the voices. The voices that try to silence us from the world. And sometimes the voices come from the enemy. Now let me tell you something about the enemy. I'm going to expose him today. Is that okay? Yes. He's not what he makes out to be. He's not what he makes out to be. You know, the Bible says that he goes about like a roaring lion now let's just underline that phrase for a moment like a roaring lion there are lots of things wrong with that firstly it's not authentic in other words it's not a real lion okay that's the first thing it's not a real lion he is like a roaring lion. 
Now, I don't know about you, but the second thing that that says to me, if I was to come across a lion and all that lion did was to roar, I wouldn't have a problem. I'll sit next to her. He can roar as much as he wants to. If that's all he does, he's just going to roar and roar and go, and that's all he's going to do. That's fine. You know, I might even roll over with him, with the lion. No, I don't have a problem with that. But if that lion goes, oh, I want to bite your head off. Ah, now we're talking something very different. If that lion is wanting to, you know, rip my leg off, oh, that's different. If this is a ferocious lion who wants to eat me up, ah, that's a different matter. If all you're going to do is roar, that's fine. And so the enemy is like a roaring lion. Not only is he not the real thing, even what he's trying to uh, picture and present himself as, he's, he's just a pussycat. He's just a pussycat. That's all he is. But you see, if he makes enough noise, you and I think that, oh, I am in the Serengeti and I'm being chased by this ferocious lion who is about to rip my head off. No. No. He is like a roaring lion. In other words, he's not the real deal. He is someone who thrives in falsehood. He thrives in the counterfeit. He thrives on the make-believe. If he could convince you, he will appear, the Bible says, as an angel of light. He's not an angel of light, but he will want to present himself as such. How many of you have been uh, to a shop um, and uh, you've had to purchase or uh, make some transaction with a 50-pound note? How many of you have been with a 50-pound note? Okay, maybe a few of you have had to do that. If you go to a shop with a 50-pound note and you give them a 50-pound note, they're not going to take that 50-pound note and put it in their counter. No. They will check it against the light. Now these days they have UV machines that, you know, they put it underneath and they can check whether it is authentic. And I discovered something, and you can go home and test this. Do you know you cannot photocopy a 50-pound note? Anybody know that? If you go, take a photocopier, put a 50-pound note, and try to photocopy it, and see what happens. The photocopier is unable to photocopy it. So you're not going to even have something that looks like it. All that's going to come out is black. Go and try it. Fact. You cannot photo a 50-pound note. They've, they've done it such that now you cannot counterfeit it. And... Why? Because there is what's authentic and there is what's not authentic. And the enemy would come and try to present himself as being authentic. And so this guy had to deal with the voices of human opinion, the voices of the world, the voices of the enemy. And sometimes we also have to deal with the voices that are in our heads. Our own voices. Where we talk ourselves down. Where we limit ourselves where we already have made the judgment call and said, it's not going to work. It's not going to happen. You know something, I tried that before I failed. You now I went down that path and, you know, the door didn't open. I tried something and, and it didn't work out. No, God wants us to keep pressing on. And I'm sure, I don't know what Bartimaeus expected from his shouting. Maybe he had the expectation that, you know, somehow Jesus will hear him and somehow, you know, Jesus will come out, call out to him and somehow the crowds will part and people will encourage him to go. I don't know. The text doesn't necessarily lend itself to that. 
But I would think that this guy was taking a chance. He was taking a chance. He didn't have those guarantees to say, well, if I shout loud enough, Jesus might hear me and he might call me and he might come. He just took a chance. You know, faith is about taking a chance. Faith is about believing for the impossible. It's about stepping out into the unknown. It's about trusting that when you put your feet on that water, somehow God's grace is going to keep you walking on that water in Jesus' name. And so Bartimaeus had this sense that, you know, I just needed to just keep pressing, keep pressing, keep pressing. And because he kept pressing, when they shut him down, he kept pressing. When they said, keep quiet, he kept pressing. When he thought about his rejection, he kept pressing. When he realized that, you know, people might, you know, have a go at him, he kept pressing. He did not stop. And what was the end result? He had an encounter with the master. That word came forth and he was able to receive his blessing. You know, I like the, the, uh, the guys in the technical areas. They've got a, an image that I've asked them to put on the screen. So if you can put that, that image up for me right now, I would really appreciate that. You budding scientists, astronomers, does anyone know what this is? I didn't think so. Well, I didn't know either before I did my research um, in preparing for this sermon, so don't worry. This is uh, what they describe as a satellite. It's called Pioneer 10. Pioneer 10. Now, I read about Pioneer 10 and something about the people who worked on this and what this represents actually challenged me. Now, Pioneer 10 was launched in 1972 by NASA. NASA uh, decided that uh, they wanted to send uh, a satellite that would reach as far as Jupiter. Um, and this is uh, an image of Pioneer going past Jupiter. The, the satellite's primary mission was to reach Jupiter, photograph the planet, its moons, and, and beam that back to Earth. And uh, a scientist thought at that time in 1972 that this was a bold plan. Now remember, this is 1972. It was a day and age before uh, we had you know, the sophisticated technology and computers and everything else that we have now. And so they had a bold plan because at that time no satellite had gone beyond Mars. And so they wanted to reach Jupiter. The amazing thing about this satellite is that it was sent in 1972 and in November 1973, Jupiter's immense gravity hauled Pioneer 10 at a rate of 1 billion miles from the sun and it went past Jupiter. At 1 billion miles from the sun, Pioneer 10 passed Saturn. At 2 billion miles, it hurtled past Uranus. At 3 billion miles, it went past Neptune. 
At 4 million miles from the sun, it went past Pluto. By 1997, 25 years after its launch, Pioneer 10 was more than 6 billion miles from the sun. But perhaps the most remarkable thing about this satellite, not only was it sent on what effectively was a 21-month mission to photograph Jupiter, the most remarkable thing was that at the time, this satellite was being powered by an 8-watt transmitter which radiates about as much power as would probably put your bedroom light on. And so, after more than 30 years, in January 19, well, January 2003, the last signal was received from this satellite. The original plan was 21-month mission sent on a battery that they thought would probably die before it got there. And yet it kept going, and kept going, and kept going, and kept going. And 21 months became two years, became four years, became 10 years, became 20 years, 30 years before they finally couldn't get any transmission from the satellite. Now, what does this say to me? It says it doesn't matter what the limitations might be. It might be the power of a light bulb. But that tiny, minute, almost infinitesimal thing can somehow walk its way six billion miles. All God wants from you is a faith as a mustard seed. That's all it takes. God is not looking for you to have attained and achieved and accomplished and you know you've gone done great things and you've accomplished. God just wants a heart that says to him, Lord, I'm going to surrender to you. And you know what? What I have might be small. What, what I have might be minimal. What I have might not seem much. I might have taken a lot of knocks. I might have felt that, you know, there's not much that's going to come out of this. But you know, in God's hand, you're a champion. In God's hand, you're a winner. In God's hand, everything becomes possible. The fourth verse of the hymn, Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus, says this. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. Stand in his strength alone. The arm of flesh will fail you. You dare not trust your own. Put on the gospel armor. Each piece put on with prayer. Where duty calls or danger, be never wanting there. Now what am I saying? Don't trust in your capacity. Don't trust in your ability. Don't trust in your wherewithal. Because you're limited. You're limited already. You ain't going to make it on your own. You ain't going to get there in your own strength. The arm of flesh will surely, surely, surely fail. But remember this. If God is for you, who can be against you? With God on your side, all things, and I mean all things, become possible. All things become possible. In 2 Chronicles 32, 
The Bible speaks of the story of Hezekiah, the king of Judah, and Sennacherib, the king of Assyria. To cut a long story short, Hezekiah trusted in God. Sennacherib trusted in his own ability. As a matter of fact, he said, I will wipe Hezekiah off the face of this earth. And what did Hezekiah do? He called on his God. Second Chronicles 32.8 With him is the arm of flesh, but with us, the Lord our God, to help us to fight our battles. And the people were strengthened by the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. Final thoughts. You need to be connected to the source of power. This, this screen is amazing, isn't it? You know, it's so fantastic that you know, uh, God used someone to bless us with this uh, wonderful uh, facility that we can use and make use of. But you know what's unique about this screen? It's amazing, we can see all the pictures, but somewhere, somewhere behind there, there's what's called a plug. It has to be connected to an electric source. Without that connection, this is just a black space. I'm sure uh, if any of you came into the church at the start of this, the, the morning services or any day in the week, thank you very much. This is what it looks like. Nothing. But it has to be connected to a power source. Something has to be feeding power into it. You need to be connected to the power source. And, you know, last, just last week I, I took my iPad into work and, you know, somehow I'd been using it and I didn't realize that I hadn't charged it. And uh, you know, several of the guys in the office have, have an iPad, and I started going around, you know, you know Gabriel, do you have an iPad chat? Oh, I didn't come with my chat. Esteban, do you have an iPad? No, I didn't come with my chat. Uh, do you have an iPad charger? And somehow, no one had an iPad charger. And unfortunately, my iPad died on me. And God taught me an important lesson that day. Make sure you have your own power source. Don't rely on anybody else's power source. You need to be connected to him. You cannot depend on your cell leader, on the pastor, on your brother and sister in Christ. You need to be connected to him. If you're going to succeed, if you're going to press forward against all the odds, you need to be connected to him. And you know what's the good news? He wants to be connected to you. Amen? And so if we're connected to him, we remain plugged into that source. We know that with him all things are possible. We can attain, we can win, and we can succeed. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that... Everything that we need is already wrapped up in you. We thank you for the blessings and provisions that come to us from you through your spirit. We thank you for what Jesus attained for us on the cross of Calvary. Lord, I pray right now for every person in this place who's been through challenges and situations in their lives. Obstacles, circumstance, maybe family uh, uh, scenarios, maybe work situations, maybe individuals that have spoken things over their lives. Or sometimes, Lord, even in the realm of the demonic, we don't want to discount that today. Lord, we pray that whatever it is, 
you are big enough, you are able enough to put a stop to it. And Father, we put our trust and our confidence in you, knowing that with you we can win, with you we can succeed, and we can truly become champions for you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. God bless you.